Chapter Two of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Progress in Calvinism. Hunt Ghosts. See Lafayette. Ages six to nine. My parents were members of the Covenanter congregation of which Dr. John Black was pastor for forty-five years. He was a man of power, a profound logician, with great facility in conveying ideas. To his pulpit ministrations I am largely indebted for whatever ability I have to discriminate between truth and falsehood. But the church was in Pittsburgh, and our home seven miles away, so we seldom went to meeting. The rules of the denomination forbade occasional hearing. Father and mother had once been sessioned for stopping on their way home to hear the conclusion of a communion service in Dr. Bruce's church, which was seceder. So our Sabbaths were usually spent in religious services at home. These I enjoyed, as it aided my life work of loving and thinking about God, who seemed, to my mind, to have some special need of my attention. Nothing was done on that day which could have been done the day before, or could be postponed till the day after coffee grinding was not thought of and once when we had no flour for saturday's baking and the buckwheat cakes were baked the evening before and warmed on sabbath morning we were all troubled about the violation of the day there was a presbyterian meeting-house two miles east of wilkinsburg where a large wealthy congregation worshipped rev james graham was pastor and unlike other presbyterians they never profane the sanctuary by singing human compositions but confined themselves to rouse's version of david's psalms as did our own denomination this aided that laxness of discipline which permitted big jane adeline and brother william to attend sometimes under care of neighbours once i was allowed to accompany them i was the proud possessor of a pair of red shoes which i carried rolled up in my kerchief while we walked the two miles we stopped in the woods my feet were denuded of their commonplace attire and arrayed in white hose beautifully clocked and those precious shoes and my poor conscience tortured about my vanity the girls also exchanged theirs for morocco slippers we concealed our walking shoes under a mossy log and proceeded to the meeting-house it was built in the form of a t of hewn logs and the whole structure both inside and out was a combination of those soft greys and browns with which nature colours wood and in its close setting a primeval forest made a harmonious picture at one side lay a graveyard birds sang in the surrounding trees some of which reached out their giant arms and touched the log walls swallows had built nests under the eaves outside and some on the rough projections inside and joined their twitter to the songs of other birds and the rich organ accompaniment of wind and trees there were two sermons and in the intermission a church sociable in fact if not in name friends who lived twenty miles apart met there exchanged greetings and news gave notices and invitations and obeyed the higher law of kindness under protest of their calvinistic consciences in this breathing time we ate our lunch went to the nearest house and had a drink from the spring which ran through the stone milk-house 
it was a day full of sightseeing and of solemn grand impressions of the two sermons i remember but one and this from the text many are called but few are chosen and the comments were calvinism of the most rigid school on our way home my brother william three years older than i was very silent and thoughtful for some time then spoke of the sermon of which i entirely approved but he stoutly declared that he did not believe it did not believe god called people to come to him while he did not choose to have them come it would not be fair indeed he thought it would be mean that evening when we were saying the shorter catechism the question what are the decrees of god came to me and after repeating the answer i asked father to explain it not that i needed any explanation but that william might be enlightened for i was anxious about his soul on account of his scepticism enlightened he could not be and even to father expressed his doubts and disapprobation we renewed the discussion when alone and during all his life i laboured with him but soon found the common refuge of orthodox minds in feeling that those especially loved by them will be made exceptions in the general distribution of wrath due to unbelief one day i went with him to hunt the cow we came to a wood just north of the village where the wind roared and shook the trees so that i was quite awe-stricken but he held my hand and assured me there was no danger until he suddenly drew back exclaiming oh see as a great tree came crashing down across the path before us and so near that it must have fallen on us if he had not seen it and stepped back even then he refused to go home without the cow and taking up a daddy long legs he inquired of it where she was and started in the direction indicated when we were arrested by the voice of big jane who had come to search for us on reaching home we found a new baby sister elizabeth soon after her birth in april eighteen twenty one father moved back to pittsburgh and lived on sixth street opposite trinity church on property belonging to my maternal grandfather there was no church there at that time but a thickly peopled graveyard which adjoined that of the first presbyterian church on the corner of sixth and wood these were above the level of the street and were protected by a worm fence that ran along the top of a green bank on which we played and gathered flowers grandmother took me sometimes to walk in these graveyards at night and there talked to me about god and heaven and the angels i was sufficiently interested in these but especially longed to see the ghosts and often went to look for them we had a bachelor uncle who delighted in telling us tales of the supernatural and he peopled those graveyards with ghosts in which i believed as implicitly as the revelations made to john on the isle of patmos which were my favourite literature when the congregation concluded to abandon the round church which stood on the triangle between liberty wood and sixth streets and began to dig for a foundation for trinity where it now stands there was a great desecration of graves one day a thrill of excitement and stream of talk ran through the neighbourhood about a mrs cooper whose body had been buried three years and was found in a wonderful state of preservation when the coffin was laid open by the diggers it was left that the friends might remove it and that night i felt would be the time for ghosts so i went over alone and while i crouched by the open grave peering in 
a cloud passed and the moon poured down a flood of light by which i could see the quiet sleeper with folded hands taking her last long rest it was inexpressibly grand solemn and sad there were no gaslights no paved street near no one stirring earth was far away in heaven near at hand but no ghost came and i went home disappointed afterwards i had a still more disheartening adventure i had gone an errand to cousin alexander's on fifth street staying late and coming home found wood street deserted the moon shone brightly but on the graveyard side were heavy shadows except in the open space opposite the church i was on the other side and there was the office of the democratic paper and over the door the motto our country right or wrong this had long appeared to be an uncanny spot owing to the wickedness of this sentiment and i was thinking of the possibility of seeing old nick guarding his property when my attention was attracted to a tall white figure in the bright moonlight outside the graveyard fence i stopped an instant in great surprise and listened for footsteps but no sound accompanied the motion it did not walk but glided and must have risen out of the ground for only a moment before there was nothing visible i clasped my hands in mute wonder but my ghost was getting away and to make its acquaintance i must hurry crossing the street i ran after and gained on it it passed into the shadow of the engine-house on across sixth street into the moonlight then into the shadow before i overtook it when lo it was a mortal woman barefoot in a dress which was probably a faded print most prints faded then and this was white long and scant making a very ghostly robe while on her head she carried a bundle tied up in a sheet she had of course come out of virgin alley where many laundresses lived and had just passed out of the shadow when i saw her we exchanged salutations and i went home to lie and brood over the unreliable nature of ghosts i was trying to get into a proper frame of mind for saying my prayers but i doubt if they were said that night as we were soon roused by the cries of fire henry clay was being burned in effigy on the corner of sixth and wood streets to show somebody's disapproval of his course in the election of john quincy adams the democratic editor macfarland was tried and found guilty of the offence and took refuge in ridiculing his opponents charles glenn a fussy old gentleman member of our church was an important witness for the prosecution and in the long rhyming account published by the defendant he was thus remembered then in came glenn that man of peace and swore to facts as slick as grease by all his uncle alex geese macfarlane burnt the tar-barrel it was before this time that lafayette revisited pittsburgh and people went wild to do him honor the schools paraded for his inspection and ours was ranged along the pavement in front of the first presbyterian church the boys next the curb the girls next the fence all in holiday attire and wearing blue badges the distinguished visitor passed up between them leaning on the arm of another gentleman bowing and smiling as he went when he came to where i stood he stepped aside laid his hand on my head turned up my face and spoke to me i was too happy to know what he said and in all the years since that day 
that hand has lain on my brow as a consecration. End of chapter 2